welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Let us say praise the Lord. Praise God. Good to see y'all here tonight. Hey Amen. This week is an extraordinary week. Uh, we've been praying and fasting and, and uh, for this weekend and for the outreaches and the, uh, the people that we want to see touched from God, our families, and all those. So we're excited about that. This morning, I... I uh, looked at my phone and my phone was uh, showing uh, the rocket that was getting ready to be propelled into, into the atmosphere, uh, the Blue Origin, whatever it's called. And uh, we had uh, uh, Captain Kirk that was going on that flight. How many knows who Captain Kirk is? He's uh, the ship enterprise back in the 60s, 70s, whenever it was, 66, is that what it was? And he, uh, so I'd heard an interview yesterday, and so he was up, went up on that today, not a long flight, but he, he qualified for being up in space, and uh, 90 years old, everybody say 90. And he was all shook up when he came back down, just the, uh, the, the, the amazement. And I thought, you know, to myself, one of these days, we're not going to need a rocket. The trump of God is going to sound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together to meet them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. And I thought about it today. I said, you know, uh, I can't afford it. They were paying, the other two people on that flight paid $250,000 for 10 minutes. So that's about $25,000 a minute. And I can't afford that. So I just got to wait for that trump to sound. Praise God. Amen. But uh, it just shows you that uh, there is something in humanity that, that thinks about the vastness of of. Uh, of what we see when we look up. And as he talked, when he came back down, he says, you know, you see the blue skies, but once you get to a certain point, it's just black. And uh, I think of that and I say, you know, the awesomeness of God. They can only go so, so far with their science and so far with their telescopes and all of that. And uh, even with our own eye, we can look up and see what I consider the beauty of heaven. The stars that he hung out there, the all the different galaxies and planets and the Milky Way and all that. So thank God for it. Amen. Acts, the 24th chapter. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting great things from God and, uh, and prayer and all of that and, and fasting and, and uh, just being faithful to the things of God is very important. Acts 24, and we're on this journey together. And after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended, or he came down with the elders with a certain orator named Tertullius, who informed or basically what he was doing there was giving evidence to the governor, uh, Felix, against Paul. 
And when he had called forth Tertullus and began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness or peace, and that very worthy deeds are done uh, unto this nation by, the provident, by thy providence. He's talking to Felix. He said, we have peace, we got prosperity, and uh, because of your foresight. And verse 3 says, we accept it always and at all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. And then he goes on in verse 4 and he says, Notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency or by thy courtesy a few words. We just got a few words we want to speak to you uh, here. Lord God, we thank you once again for your goodness, mercy, your love and kindness. This opportunity that we have, amen, to be in your house of worship again this evening. I pray that as we uh, uh, get into your word tonight that, that your word would have an impact in our lives. Amen. I pray for those that are here in this service and also for those that are watching by way of the internet. Lord God, that your presence would be felt everywhere. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray and let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And so we understand uh, when you look back in chapter 23, uh, we find Paul that was before the Sanhedrin. And uh, basically what you had back in that day and time if you've read it at all, you understand that it was just a puppet government. Uh, all the strings were being pulled from Rome. Uh, it was made up of, 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 of Pharisees as far as the, uh, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. And, and uh, Paul is uh, sincere in wanting to speak to the council, but the council was not sincere in wanting to hear what uh, Paul had to say. And so... Uh, uh, Paul begins to describe to them about how he felt like he had a good conscience. And uh, uh, at that time, remember we talked about the shoe or he got hit. And, uh, and, uh, and because uh, the high priest felt like he wasn't being truthful. And uh, uh, the high priest was violating the Jewish law because, uh, uh, and, and because he was corrupt. And Paul pointed it out. Although Paul originally did not know who he was standing there when he found out he was very respectful. Amen. But understand this, just a, a synopsis there. Uh, it's, it's a sad thing when you have religion without God. Right? Church without God doesn't make sense, right? In fact, how, how many do you believe that, uh, you know, why, why would we go to church if, if, if we didn't have a God that we were going to feel and a God we were going to see move in our midst? Amen. Because I believe the church and the God go hand in hand. Amen. And so Paul uh, declares that he believes in the resurrection of the dead. Uh, the Pharisees believe this. The Sadducees do not. Uh, the Pharisees believed in the supernatural. The Sadducees did not. And it starts a brawl between the two factions. If you remember the story, uh, you, know, uh, you know, and, and once again, uh, uh, you will find out that religion without God will cause, cause you to violate your own principles. And, uh, and so anyway, Paul received a prophetic word about going to Rome. Remember that. Uh, that was for sure that was going to happen. And uh, uh, then you had these, this group of 40 that was under oath. And they said, we're not going to eat and we're not going to drink until we kill Paul. Remember that? So they got the Sanhedrin to go along with it. Uh, you, know, and so, you know, sometimes people can do, uh, uh, you know, right things for the wrong reasons and and, uh, and, and you can get all messed up with all of those things. Uh, but Paul's nephew finds out about the plot, tells the captain of the guard, which brings us into where we're at today. And, and the captain of the guard, 
uh, takes Paul out of Jerusalem, fearing that they were going to harm him, brings him back to the castle, escorts him to the governor Felix in Caesarea uh, under an armed escort. Now, in 24, you find, you find Paul, there's a trial before Felix. And uh, those Jews under the vow, uh, those 40 that said, we're, gonna, we're not going to eat until we kill him, they were probably having a rough go of it right now. How many understands this week what it's like to go even 24 hours without something to eat? How about a half a day? Before you start saying, oh man, I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. I got to eat something, right? Well, these guys, now they're in trouble because it's been a few days now and they're getting to the swing of it and now they can't get to him because he's up there in Caesarea guarded by the soldiers. And so uh, they weren't able to kill Paul. So uh, I, I, I don't know. Do you all, how many feels like they were still fasting? <laughs> how many feels like they were still not eating? They were sticking to their vow. Be interesting to know that, wouldn't it? Amen. Because they were never able to kill him. So now, now in the story here in the 24th chapter, Paul's now in jail, uh, uh, the jail of the Roman governor Felix. And he has to await the coming of Ananias, the high priest, and uh, his accusers. Now, so we know for sure that it was five days. So after five days, Ananias comes with a lawyer by the name of Tertullius. And Tertullius starts off his uh, accusation by basically flattering the governor, making, making all these nice words and, and uh, just uh, telling him how great a guy he is. And, and because of your foresight, we got peace and we got, we're prosperous and we've got all this kind of stuff. So he's talking him up. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, we enjoy, we're enjoying all these great, great things. And, and you're worthy of our praise. And most noble Felix. And, and uh, you know, how many has ever been said nobody likes insincere flattery? Right? Sometimes that can be more insulting than the, the regular insults that people do. It's when somebody's trying to give you insincere flattery. And so verse 5, it simply says, we have found this great pestilent fellow. Pestilence is, is basically a plague. And a, and a mover of sedition. He, in other words, he is, a, he is a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world. And he is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. It's important. Because you will find out that the Jews would not call the believers of Christ Christians. Right? They, 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 they uh, you know, the people of Christ, the people of the Messiah, they would not call them Christians, sect of the Nazarenes. They always had these other words that they would use for the followers of Christ. Well, we, we, we know because we, we hear uh, in, in, in Paul's writings uh, and, and talking about Antioch, they were, they were first called Christians at Antioch, somewhere outside of 
the Jewish realm, outside of Israel. And, and so Tertullius goes into his argument and his accusations, and he accuses Paul that he is a plague of the people. He is annoying. He is mischievous. He is destructive. He is a creator of dissension. He stirs the people up in revolution against the government. He is the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Of course, we know that that's just a reference of the, the hometown where Jesus came from. Amen. And this is, a, you know, when you read about this, this is actually a fulfillment of the, of the uh, obscure Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah, the fourth, cha fourth chapter, verse 2, when it says, In that day shall the branch of the Lord, everybody say branch, of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Nazareth just means branch. Going verse 6 to 9, it says, Who also hath gone about to profane the temple? Who we took? He said, we seized. Tertullia, we seized him. And would have judged him according to our law. We're going to do that. Remember, go back and read chapter 23. Amen. But the chief captain, the commander, Lysias, came upon us. And with great violence took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things. In other words, he said, uh, uh, you know, him yourself, you, you Felix, almighty Felix, oh great Felix, you that's brought, brought peace and prosperity to the area, we want you to ascertain all these things whereof we are accusing him of. And, and what happened? The Jews that were there, they all assented saying that these things were so. What, what Tertullius is telling you, what the lawyer is telling you is the truth. We call that in our court of laws perjury. You lied under oath. Right? He has profound the temple. He brought, now you remember back we read about how he brought the Gentile? And they, they said he brought him into the temple. He did not bring him into the temple. Amen. They said we would have judged him. We were set to get him a fair trial. I don't think so. Did they get Jesus a fair trial? No. Amen. It's a lie. Everybody say lie. Tertullius never says this is what Paul is accused of. How he presents it is simply that this is what he has done. Everybody say done. We already, what he's saying is we already know that Paul is guilty of these things. We just need you to put your stamp of approval on it. Amen. But here, here's what was upsetting to them is that this captain, this commander of, of those soldiers seen what was going on went down and they physically took him away from them. Amen. And, and, and the way they describe it, with great violence. With great violence. But he forgets to mention that the violence was not on the part of Lysias and his men. It was actually on the part of the Jews. It was the, 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 the ones that disagreed about what Paul was talking about. The Pharisees, yeah, we, we, we agree with that. The Sadducees, no. And they, they started this tuss and this war. They were the ones that were violent. But he says it was the soldiers that were violent. 
And the Jews assented. They confirmed that these things were so. Yes. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like, how many's ever seen this happen before? Where you're talking to somebody, you got two or three people there, and you're talking to them, and they're they're relating a story to you, and they're and they're telling you something, and, and they're talking like that. Then they look to the, the person next to them and say, Isn't that right? How many's ever seen that before? Yeah, da, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't that right? And they're like there. Yeah, 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 that's right. You know, sometimes I think about the hesitation. Well, <laughs> But that's what was going on. Tertullius was bringing these accusations and bringing them before Felix. And then it was almost like he looked at the Jews that were there and said, you know, and they assented to it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What he's telling you is right. Right? And so they agreed with the lies. You know, understand this. They had slipped so far away from where they should have been spiritually that they were willing, once again, to go on the record and tell a lie. Or perjure themselves. They were willing to do that. See, it's important for us to understand. Look, I don't care how far this thing goes in our world today. And the way it's going, it's, 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 in, it's, in, it's, in, it's turbulent times, it's rocky, whatever like that. But the church, we have to be the mainstay. We have to be that which is constant. We have to be that which is true. We have to be that that sets the example in our world today of what it really is to be a Christian. Now, I'll tell you, there may come a day where, where you will be put to the test on whether or not you really believe what you believe or you really trust in God. We could be put to the test. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it will never happen. I'm telling you that it very well could happen. And so we have to be able to know that we know that we know what we believe in. Hallelujah. Because there's going to be a lot of people. You see it left and right. You know, they're, they're, you know folks, we're, we are blessed to live in the country we live in right now. Because there's other countries, even one to the north of us, that will put their pastors in, in prison or jail if, if they're not playing to their tune. Amen. And, and I, I don't ever want to see that come to this great country. But there's places all around our world that, that Christians are under the gun. Amen. So you need to, part of your fasting and praying, you need to just thank God. Thank you, Lord, that we live in a country we live in. God, give us, give us the grace and let us endure. Help us, Lord Jesus, right? Come on, clap your hands and praise God. Verse 10 through 13 goes on, says, Paul, after that the governor had looked at him, it says beckoned him, but that word translated as nodded, you know, where he just kind of looked at him and just kind of did like that. Your turn. They've had their turn, now it's your turn. Right? Amen. Paul begins to speak and he says, for as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Folks, listen to me. We have to be able to answer for ourselves. We have to be able to answer for ourselves. We have to be able to give an account. We have to know what the Word of God says. We have to be able, you got to prepare yourself, amen, so that you'll be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen, to this lost and dying world. And so he said, you know, I, I, I do more carefully or cheerfully answer for myself. Verse 11, he says, because thou mayest understand that there are yet but, or no more than, he said, 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they never found me in the temple 
disputing with any man, neither raising up the people or or, or, or uh, the translation says, neither inciting the crowd, the crowd, neither in the synagogues nor in the city. Neither, Paul goes on to say, can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. Think about it. Here, Paul, he doesn't have a lawyer. Right? See, they brought up a lawyer. They had Tertullian with his, uh, his nice little slick words and, 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 and his pompous attitude and, and how he was approaching Felix and really setting the table. I'm the authority in the room. I'm the smart guy. I'm the lawyer. And Paul says, I'll speak for myself. Now, in our day and time, when somebody comes up to the judge and says, he says, do you have anybody representing you? And they say, no, I'm going to speak for myself. They, they, they're they're kind of like, now, wait a minute here. You, you really don't know how this works. And you really do need a lawyer. You need somebody. You need somebody talking on your behalf. You know, a judge will do that. Why does he do that? Because he says, look, you're not prepared. This is not your field of expertise. Yes, you're going to speak from your heart, but it's not going to help your cause. You need somebody to represent you. That's why they do that. Right? How many agrees with that tonight? Amen. So Paul says there, he says, you know what? You know, you're great. You're a good person and everything, but I'm going to speak for myself. Amen. So he brings his defense. And Paul, Paul patiently and kindly waited for Tertullian to finish his, uh, uh, his speech. And, uh, and uh, he, doesn't do, he doesn't do this. You know, if, how, many, how, many, how many will do this? If, somebody's, if, you're, if you're sitting there listening to somebody and they're saying something about you and you know it's not true, what are you going to usually do? You're going to speak up. You're going to say, that's not true. That's not true. You're not going to let them finish, right? You're, that's not true, right? Think about it right now. So that's not true, but Paul lets him finish. Paul just kind of let him just talk and, and, and finish it. He didn't interrupt him or anything. We, we do not know the, the reaction of, of, of Felix to uh, uh, the accusations of, of uh, 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 Tertullian. But we do know that he was more than willing to listen to Paul's side of the story. Listen, and, and, I, and, I, and I digress here a little bit, but, but understand this. Everything you hear, everything you hear, always, always approach it that there's another side to the story. Right? How many believes that? Everything you hear Always put in your mind, there's another side to the story. And Felix here, I believe, uh, after he listened to Tullian uh, uh, put out his speech, uh, he looked and nodded at Paul and said, okay, it's your turn. Tell me what your defense is. Tell me what, tell me what, tell me what happened. Amen. And so, uh, you know, we do know he was more than willing to listen uh, because he granted him that, that, that time. But be careful, let me say this, be careful that your emotions do not overwhelm your judgment. Understand that. We hear things and we automatically, we want to judge. That comes from our emotions. Our emotions. But understand, be careful. Don't let your emotions control the situation. Be willing to, don't be overwhelmed by them, but be willing to listen, but also be willing to listen to the other side. Right? 
Amen. Don't judge something when you don't know the whole story. Let me say it again. Don't judge something until you know the whole story. Amen. Because I'll tell you right now, how many times have we or any of us had to tell somebody we were sorry because we bought into something that wasn't true, it wasn't factual, it wasn't, and then we had to say, you know what, I listened to that, I'm sorry. How many would rather be on the other side of it to where you didn't make a judgment? Therefore, you didn't have to say, I'm sorry. You, saw, you know, you understand, Felix, Felix you know, he, he's talking, Felix, you understand about the feast, the feast days of Israel. This is Paul's defense. You understand the feast days of Israel. You've been a governor for many years. You know how this thing works. Amen. In, in fact, in fact you, later on, you'll find out that Felix's wife was Jewish. The governor's wife was Jewish. And so he, Paul was just basically articulating to Felix, I, I went to Jerusalem to worship. I went to worship to, to, to Jerusalem to worship. I, he said, I wasn't disputing with any man. I, I, didn't, I wasn't stirring up people to revolt against the government. And, and, and furthermore, Felix, they can't prove it. Amen. They can't prove it. They can't prove that I did what they said I've done. And, and uh, uh, you know, understand this. When emotions are running high, always go back to the facts. Paul was going back to the facts. They were all up in arms. Tertullian was given a, an argument against him. The, the Jews were assenting and saying, yes, they were agreeing with it. Paul says, no, let's go back to the facts. Let's go back 12 days ago. Felix, you understand the feast days. This is what was going on. Now, I'm asking, where are the proof of the deeds that they're accusing me with? Verse, 20, verse 14 to 15 says, he goes on and says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And verse 15 is said, And I have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. So he says, this I confess. He said, I'm not ashamed. Paul's simply saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Right? Everybody say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. When, when we become ashamed of the gospel, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Amen. In other words, Paul was saying, my relationship with God is not something that, I'm, that I try to hide. It's out there for everybody to see. I'm not going to put it under cover. I'm not going to be incognito. I'm not going to uh, you know, dress up in camouflage, be a camouflage Christian. No, I, I'm, it's out there for everybody to see. They call it the way of heresy, but I call it worshiping God. He said, I still worship God. It's the same God, he said, as my fathers or the same God as my ancestors. Think about it. The same God that brought them out of the land of Egypt, the same God that brought them through the wilderness, the same God that clothed them, that their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out, that he provided manna for them and food for them and water for them in, for 40 years in the wilderness, uh, the same God that brought them over the, uh, you know, brought them, brought them uh, uh, at, you know, previously through the Red Sea and then took them over Jordan uh, into the promised land, the same God that brought, brought about a miracle at Jericho, the same God. He's going back. It's the same God. I'm worshiping the same God. The same God that my forefathers, I am worshiping my, the, the same God. And, and that God, he said, is Jehovah in Jesus Christ. 
He said, I still believe in the law. I still believe in the resurrection. Just like these Pharisees do. The way that, that we believe is more important and worth defending, I believe. Not all beliefs are the same. Right? Then he goes on in verse 20 and 21. He says, or else let the same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called and questioned by you this day. Amen. In other words, what Paul, what Paul was saying was, let these that are here say if I did anything wrong before the council. Because he was saying and articulating to Felix, my conduct was beyond reproach in the council. And he was telling Felix, the only reason why I'm here now is because they started fighting over the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees believed in it. The Sadducees didn't believe in it. So they were fighting over it. <laughs> and, and Paul was just simply telling, telling Felix, he said, you know, sir, I'm, 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 I'm not the, I didn't cause this trouble. They were the ones fighting with each other. And if, if I could just kind of add into that, and, and, and your commander, Lysias, uh, he's seen what was going on, felt a little sorry for me, and sent his guys down to get me out of that mess. My words. Not me. He said, and then he said, my conscience is clean. It wasn't me. I didn't cause this problem. And so Paul talks a lot about having a clear conscience. You know, folks, let me stop and tell you right now, one of the best things you can ever do is be able to go to bed at night with a clear conscience. Right? <laughs> hey, to go to bed at night and not have to worry about nothing, you know, you're not, you're not worrying about what you should have done or what you should have said or, or, or the sorries you should have made or whatever. You just go to bed with a clear conscience, a clean conscience. Hey Amen. Everything's okay. And Paul said, you know what? I've got a, I've got a clean conscience. I've got a clear conscience. And, and you could tell in reading this that that was important to Paul was to have a clear conscience. Amen. Let me ask, how important is that to us today? How important is us? Turn to your neighbor and say, we need to be kind to each other. We need to love one another. Amen. This week, hopefully, we got beyond all that stuff and we're actually praying for one another. And we're fasting and we're coming together, not, 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 not kind of looking at other people as though, you know, but we look at brothers and sisters in the Lord as brothers and sisters in the Lord. I want a clear conscience. Everybody say clear conscience. Notice what, notice uh, in verse 22. Here it says, when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. Uh-oh. <laughs> Felix says, basically, in responding to, 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 to Tertullian, his group, and to Paul, he says he listened to both sides of the argument. He realized that the Jews had given him an out because they had claimed that the Roman soldiers had used violence, and Roman law again demanded that the captain in question be given a trial, and he demanded that Lysias, the chief captain, come and defend himself. Now, if Lysias has come and testified, who do you think he would have backed up? He would have backed up Paul and said, look, I just went and got him out of trouble. They were fighting with each other. 
You know, it's almost like, it's almost like the, the young child that, that is telling you a story. How many, how many, your children, how many has ever told you a story? And you're looking at them and like, okay, well, let me call so-and-so and, 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 and see if, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. And they usually will come up and tell you the truth after a little bit of that, right? You know, I kind of feel that this may be kind of what was going on here, where it was like, well, let me get Lysias here, let me get them here, and, and let's get him on the record of telling us what actually happened in this situation, right? <laughs> I don't know. You know, what, what's about, the, you know, it talks about, you know, <clears throat> you know, my mom used to always say, be sure your sins will find you out. How many have ever heard that one time or another? And you know what? If you're a parent, you probably used it one time or another with your kids. When you get so aggravated and you don't know what to do, you'll just look at them and point your finger. Be sure your sins will find you out. Yeah, that's my granddaughter. But that's the thing of it. You see, we have to understand that, that that's why it's important to stay in the realm of truth, stay in the realm of, of lifting God up and, and being, that, being that person that, 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 that just opens yourself before God because he knows it anyway, right? And just simply say, Lord, you know, you, you're the one. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be a, 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 a true blue and I'm going to be honest and, and because I don't want things to find me out. 23, hurry up here a little bit. And so he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days when Felix came, you know, boy, I'm just kind of thinking right now, uh, once again, that, that those 40 guys that made that vow, man, if they're keeping that vow, they've been, they're going a while now. So after, after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Wow, man. You know, folks, let me stop and tell you, I remember as a kid growing up. I remember as a kid growing up. And, and you know what? You don't think about these things when you're younger. But I can remember, Elder, when, when the, 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 the ministry or the singing or the evangelist was preaching and the altar call came. You don't see this much anymore. But I can remember when people would get a hold of the back of the pew and just grip that pew like that. As they would say, their, their knuckles turned white. They were gripping it because the, convict, the convicting power of God was upon them. And they were there in that moment trying to make a decision whether or not they should go to the altar or not. You older folks know what I'm talking about. You, you remember that when people would come under a, such a deep conviction of God to where they, they, they just, they, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, stop, uh, you know, they, they just, they, they were there, they were under, they were making a decision. And Felix here was in, I believe, in that boat where, where he was moved on. He trembled and he answered Paul. He said, Paul, go your way. And when it's more a more convenient time, I'll call you back. Worst decision he ever made. 
Let me stop and tell you something right now. When the Spirit of God is moving on you, when you're in that kind of a moment and that kind of a time, don't ever put off the wooing of the Spirit of God when God begins to move on you. Amen. Don't ever do that. Respond to that right then. What Felix should have done right then is responded to that. What he should have did was say, Paul, talk to me some more about this. I want to know more about this. Hallelujah. So he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. He trembled. Go thy way for this time when I have conveniency that I'll call you. So, so as it says here, Paul was kept under guard, but he was given liberty. Liberty. So here's these guys. They couldn't kill him. You can't kill him. Nope. So y'all keep on fasting right there. You're going to die before he does. But his friends in the church could come and visit him. See, folks, I'm going to tell you what. Your, your real friends are in the church. That's, where that, that's the way it's supposed to be. Doesn't mean you're not going to have friends outside the church. You understand what I'm saying? When, when, it com- when, it comes, when, it, when it's coming. So Felix sends for Paul. Tell him, and he trembles. And, uh, and uh, when Paul spoke to him, he was under conviction. Folks, let me stop and tell you real quick. That's what we want, right, in our services. That's what we're working toward is that the Spirit of God would be in here. His convicting power would be in here. Number one, to make this, the child of God correct some things in their lives. Number two, to make the, sin, the sinner tremble in the presence of God and correct things in his life by repenting of their sins, right? Amen. See, it's obvious that the anointing of, 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 of the Lord was reaching out to Felix and his wife, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, but Felix resisted. And uh, he said, I, I need a, a more convenient time. But understand, a, a convenient time for him never came. He had missed his chance to come, come to Christ. And, uh, you know, the sad thing about it is, and I hate to say this, but just notice, sometimes people only get one chance. One chance. That's it. Verse 26 and 7. I'm trying to hurry here. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might loose him wherefore he sent for him the, the, uh, the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room and or his, his job as governor. And Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. And so, so you understand uh, Felix, I think, wanted something from Paul. Get your guys to bring me something. As they would say, grease my palm. I've been in countries, I've been in countries where when we were traveling, uh, you know, it was one of those things where if you got stopped by the police, you gave them a little something and they would let you go. Bribe money. Yeah. So Felix, you know, but he wasn't always in that position. So to please the Jews, he left him bound. When he should have repented when Paul was before him and told God, God, help me, let me become what you want me to become. But he didn't. So now Festus came up. Amen. Felix looked for personal gain. He looked for personal gain instead of sacrifice, instead of service. His motives for meeting with Paul after the first one were based on greed. That's why there was no anointing on him again. That's why he didn't feel the presence of God woo him again. Look, we need to understand that, you know, uh, that, that, that 
this is this folks, this is a privilege to be in the house of God. It really is. I count it a privilege to be in the presence of God. Do you? When God begins to move and his presence falls. Bible says he inhabits the praises. He lives in the praises of his people. And so when we entertain his presence and we're worshiping and praising and he lives in the, God begins to move and all of a sudden we begin to feel his presence and it begins to motivate us to do what's right. Amen. So here at the last part, Festus becomes governor. And after two years of keeping Paul, Felix is replaced. Uh, as governor. Once again, two years. Everybody say two years. Those guys are dead by now if they kept their vow. Right? They said, we're taking a vow, 40 of them. We're going to take a vow that we're going to make sure he's dead and we're not going to eat until that happens. Well, adios, adonada. You are gone, and he's still alive. Right? So now Felix has gone. Festus is there. Folks, right is right, and wrong is wrong. Felix, not caring about justice, he kept him bound. Be careful, and I close with this. Be careful that you don't bend the rules for your friends. Don't be careful. We all need to be careful with that. It's easy for us to bend the rules for some, but not for those that are friends. Talking to somebody recently about something that's happened, and uh, and uh, it come under review, and and it went up the chain, and and the person that was doing the review at an upper level automatically seen what had happened and and this is you know no even though they knew them even though they had worked with them even though they had been around them for many many years they had to make a decision that no this this is not right could have very easily bent the rules could have very easily made a different decision but yet they knew what was right was right what was wrong was wrong, right? Amen. So Felix missed it. He missed his opportunity. He missed that opportunity. What a sad day. What a sad day if any of us, if you or I, missed that opportunity. And then he was gone and Festus came in and took over Paul. We'll talk about that next week. But think about it. Folks, there's a right way to do things. And there's a wrong way to do things. Amen. And sometimes you just, well, all the time you do. Don't ever be on the side of untruthfulness. Don't ever jump on the bandwagon of accusations that if somebody looks at you and says, ain't that right? Just like, I don't know, is it? I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. Don't be afraid to do that. 
had a friend of mine years ago that that was good they'd tell a story and then they'd look at me and say ain't that right and I'm like I don't know is it oh, you, didn't, you weren't there you didn't, you didn't no I didn't hear that I didn't see that we have to realize that it's important in this day and time that we live that as a Christian we can never get pulled into that kind of commentary where people want to drag us into something and say ain't that right and then come to find it's not because the person that's been accused will look at you and say, hey, you're supposed to be a Christian. So don't get involved in things that are not correct and not optional. Let's stand together. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. We serve a God that's great. We serve a God that's just awesome. And what God's going to do and what he is doing in our midst and what he's going to do, uh, you know, I'm just excited about this weekend. I'm excited about this, this harvest party coming out, the visitors. I'm, I'm praying and, and believing that visitors are going to come, right? Visitors, amen, from wherever, who all you invite, even people that, that we've never seen before. That's a good thing. Bring them on. Bring them on. We're going to have food, fun, fellowship, right? <clears throat> the rain's going to be gone by... By early afternoon and by the time we get here, I'm looking forward to some things. Because I haven't made any vows that somebody's going to die before I eat again. So I'm expecting you to come. Bring somebody. We're going to have a great time. But I'm here to tell you, God's going to do great things. I really believe our fasting and our praying, these, these pews are going to be filled. Amen. Because this is not the only time we're going to be doing this, coming together and believing together. Amen. God's going to do great things. God's going to bring people in the church. <clears throat> Amen. I'm, I'm believing that. God's going to move on us to where our relationship is going to be that such with God that we're going to be able to stand there before people and speak the word of God to them about the death, burial, and resurrection and what God can do for them. Amen. And see God do great things. I believe that tonight. Praise God. So I'm, I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm inviting you to uh, participate this week. Whatever you can fast. Whatever you, whatever you can do. And, uh, and whatever you can, uh, you know, whatever you can pray that God's will be done. And God's greatness is going to be shown abroad in our midst. I believe it in Jesus' name. Will you pray with me like that right now? Lord God, we thank you once again. Amen for your goodness, your mercy, your love and kindness. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord Jesus, that we have. Amen. That we're going to see great things in your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's raise our hands together right now and believe it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, amen, for your... Your, your, your willingness, Lord Jesus, amen, to touch our lives because you don't have to, but you did. Amen. You don't have to allow us to feel your, your presence and your power, your spirit, but you did. Lord, you're here tonight. Amen. And I believe in, Lord, that somebody, before they leave this place tonight, Lord, they have been touched by you. And God, you are moving and, and, and in their life and things are being rearranged in the way they think and they talk. So God bless us tonight, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody say in Jesus' name.